We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to Roadwire DFS Podcast. Derek Gunriper, John McKechnie here with you on Friday of Week 12 of the NFL season. Uh, a slightly smaller slate than it could be because we had three games in the books on Thursday with Thanksgiving, but no bye weeks, so still plenty of options as we build out uh, GPP and cash lineups uh, for this week. Uh, John, before we get started, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was really good. I went up to Baltimore, uh, hung out with the family, uh, obviously ate way too much food, as any good American should, and uh, just watched a lot of football. So, you know, you're pretty standard uh, Thanksgiving on my end, but, you know, as always, a, a very enjoyable holiday uh, for sure. How was yours? It was nice. Yeah, I got to see some family and uh, same same thing. Just too much food, good amount of football. I always had to drive home during the second half of the last game. Because usually the gatherings are by Milwaukee. I usually mm-hmm. have to work on Friday, so I don't want to drive Friday morning to get to work. So I, I leave. Sure. And fortunately, the second half of Steelers Colts uh, was was really nothing to write home. Exactly. About. Yeah, you, you're not. You're definitely not kicking yourself for missing that. It's okay. 
All right, so let's take a look around at the Sunday slate. So we're going to discard the Monday game, Eagles Packers, which I don't, I don't want to talk about the Packers anyway. It just makes me sad. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's rare. Like I, you can't complain much as a Packer fan, so it, it's it's fine. I'll 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 be fine. But I really want to avoid talking about them as it's much fair. as possible. I mean, uh, after after last week's game, it's yeah, it's getting tougher and tougher to to stomach uh, what's going on with you guys. So I definitely understand avoiding that one. Yeah, getting spanked by Washington, never, never good. Uh, let's start with the Cardinals and Falcons battle of the birds happening in Atlanta. Fifty and a half is your over under. David Johnson this week on FanDuel's ninety five hundred, and to be honest, I'm not afraid to pay it because I think you can find relief elsewhere. I mean, you can go a little cheaper at wide receiver, and if you do that, Johnson is in play both in cash and GPP scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a game where uh, you're going against a Falcons defense that's not overly imposing, and, you know, David Johnson is just, I mean, he's the key that, or the engine that really makes that offense go, so even though that they're they're going to be on the road, I'm still not worried about that. I think Johnson is certainly worth that 9,500 price tag, and I think you know because it is so high, because he is so highly priced, uh, we could see some people maybe moving off of him, maybe see uh, you know not as high of an ownership as we're, as we're used to seeing for David Johnson. So I think that he's uh, he's definitely a must play. Like you got to have some exposure to him in your lineups, uh, either in uh, GPP or cash formats. Amazingly, Tevin Coleman per game has averaged more fantasy points on FanDuel than Devontae Freeman this year. Coleman should be back in the fold for this one. Uh, In the four games he played prior to hurting his leg, Coleman uh, had only averaged like eight carries. I think he was even a tick below that. It was very bizarre. And at 5,600, he's he's not like unfairly priced, but Freeman's been better on a per carry basis. 4.6 yards per carry this year for Freeman. 4.0 4.0 for Coleman. Are you using either one of the Atlanta running backs now that Coleman is likely back into the fold? I mean, I, I do like the I do like Tevin Coleman. I do like that he's that he's back in here, but this matchup scares me a little bit. And I'm I'm also just I feel like I always pick the wrong guy when it when it comes to these two. And sometimes you know th- there is no wrong answer. Sometimes both of them can just kind of coexist and and both have. Uh, strong games, but uh, I'm just not sure if I'm if I'm really in on either of these guys. I think I like uh, some running backs elsewhere, so I, I'd probably prefer to to not use a guy that's going to be splitting carries or splitting snaps, going against a, a really tough uh, Arizona defense. Yeah, no point uh, in the last 48 hours have I seriously considered uh, either one of Freeman or Coleman for my uh, daily lineups. Uh, Matt Ryan is 8,700. Carson Palmer, 7,100. If you're looking at the quarterbacks, receivers, Julio Jones is 8,700 this week. Fitz is 7,200. Everybody else below 6,000. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, 5,900. John Brown, 56. J.J. Nelson, 55. And I think Brown and Nelson kind of creep into GPP lottery ticket sort of consideration, if only because Michael Floyd did not practice on Friday. He's got a hamstring injury. And if you take Floyd out of the equation seven or eight more targets are, are there to go around. So one of Brown or Nelson will step up. I think at this point, Nelson still is ahead of Brown on the depth chart. I'm just not sure if I'm confident enough in either one of them to turn them loose, even though the payoff could be significant in what should be a shootout with the Falcons. Right. That is a good point that, that the pay, like this, 
you know, the ceiling there, it could be extremely high, especially with, with those targets kind of getting redistributed. Uh, when I was talking to James Seltzer earlier in the week and we were going over the wide receivers, he, he landed on Larry Fitzgerald as one of his favorite plays of the week. And I, I think that said a lot to me uh, going against the, you know, the Falcons secondary. Um, I think that Fitzgerald would probably be the, the one Cardinal receiver that I go after. I, you know, I like John Brown and JJ Nelson in theory, you know, they're, they're fast guys that, that can definitely, uh, hit their value on, on just one or two plays, you know, just because of that big play threat. Uh, but I feel like more often than not, I've been let down by those guys, both in daily and season long uh, formats. So maybe I've been burned by them too much and I'm kind of jaded on both of them, even if there's more targets to go around this week, but I'm probably staying off of, of using them. I could, I could see where, where Nelson at 5,500, if you're strapped uh, for cash, uh, looking at your third wide receiver on your lineup, Maybe that would be work. That would work for me, but uh, in general, probably not. Not going after either of those guys. Yeah, I think what I'm going to find is that the six thousand dollar receivers, especially, are interesting enough where I don't have to go quite that cheap this week. Right. But keep an eye on Michael Floyd's status if you are a JJ Nelson uh, lover of sorts. Uh, <laughs> Titans Bears part of the early slate. Matt Barkley at quarterback. You can pretty much just erase all the Bears from consideration. I mean, I have no interest in any of the Bears. Jordan Howard this week uh, would be the only one even remotely on the radar. And even that, I think Tennessee's not bad against the run. Uh, so I'd probably pass on Jordan Howard. I do like some of the Titans, though. Most specifically, DeMarco Murray, 8300 It's a steep price, but I think he's going to get his from a volume standpoint in this matchup. I think so too. I, I like Murray a lot as well. Uh, not, I mean, that volume is really going to be there, and I, I have a feeling that that the Titans should be able to jump out to a lead. So we're going to see plenty of carries for Murray uh, throughout the game. You're not going to have to worry worry about them uh, having to go into catch up mode late in the game, and you know you see his carries dip below twenty or something. So he's had about as bankable of a workload as we've seen in the NFL this year. It's been uh, pretty great. So he's always just so reliable. Uh, the Bears defense against the run is you know pretty average uh at best i think they're they're right around 18 or 19 against the run as far as uh their rushing dvoa is concerned uh so definitely don't mind using murray even if he is at that 8300 uh price tag um i really like delaney walker too as far as my tight ends are concerned this week uh at 6100 uh that's a pretty nice price for a guy that that's kind of like the the top passing game option for for the titans and i think that he's going to be able to find some soft spots in that zone because the bears are just so banged up on on both sides of the ball uh defense included so i think that walker should see a good amount of, of quality targets and should be able to get open uh make some big plays there so i'm going with him as my tight end as one of my favorite tight ends of the week yeah i mean assuming gronk doesn't play if you look at the next six most expensive tight ends or, or six others besides gronk who are at six thousand or above I think Walker is the best value of that bunch. I like all the top tight ends this week. It's a rare week where I'm kind of indifferent as to which one I use, and it comes down to saving money. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think Walker is a bit safer this week because Richard Matthews uh, will see a lot of Tracy Porter, so I think that works against Matthews, who I, I kind of like most weeks. Right. I just don't really like him in this particular matchup. Mariota's up to 8,300, so I probably won't have any exposure to him. There is some blowout potential in this game, so you could see the Titans running the ball a lot throughout the second half. So I think that also puts a slight damper on uh, Mariota's value. 
Uh, Saints right. hosting the Rams. Todd Gurley missed practice Friday with a case of the flu or some other illness that's been going around the locker room. 7500 is the price on FanDuel. Not as cheap as he is uh, on DraftKings by comparison. So I'm more apt to use Gurley on DraftKings than I am on FanDuel, but you probably get a lower ownership number on FanDuel as a result of that price. Uh, not going anywhere near Jared Goff. Uh, I don't want to go as cheap as Lance Kendricks as a punt play at tight end, but I do like Breeze like I would in any home matchup. The problem is sure. he's 8,600, and there are cheaper quarterbacks that I feel good about. But Cooks at 7,300, Snead at 6,400, and Michael Thomas at 6,400 are all in play. I, I think those are those are all quality options, and I think uh, Mark Ingram is a little bit banged up at the moment too. I think Schefter tweeted out that he was questionable, um, so that could mean maybe some more Tim Hightower. But uh, Fanduel's price on Tim Hightower at sixty five hundred—that's not quite the the bargain that you want when you use a guy like him, especially with with the Rams defense. That, that's sort of the one. Thing you can kind of hang your hat on as far as the Rams are concerned. They, they are able to stop the run pretty well. Uh, so I'm, I'd be I'd be more inclined to use Hightower if he was if he was down to like 5500. But 6500, uh, even if he's getting getting the start there, uh, not so sure. Um, I do like Gurley this week for those reasons that you mentioned though, because you know that that price tag might be a little bit rich for some people's blood considering you know, his production uh and you especially consider just sort of how the rams function as an offense and and how kind of wonky it, it can be especially with jared goff uh i think it makes sense for teams to load up and try to stop Gurley. but i mean the saints trying to load up and stop Gurley is a totally different than a competent uh defense uh to, trying to trying to eliminate him from the equation so i do like this matchup a lot for Gurley, and it's 7500 still isn't that bad for for a guy that does have rb1 potential i don't know what's going on with the price for kenny Britt. Like he's 7100 on fanduel <laughs> like the pricing algorithm needs to go home because it's clearly drunk it's at drunk. this point so drunk Tavon austin's 4900 so if you really want to just like throw away a lineup Austin in GPP. It's a cheap way of going about it, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you're going to get low ownership. The Saints can leak big plays. I, if there's ever a time to feel somewhat encouraged about Tavon Austin, I think this week would be that time. Uh, Chargers are road favorites against the Houston team that has not lost at home this year. I actually think San Diego will go in there and get the win. Um, Rivers is 8000 We're going to talk about some other quarterbacks that are even cheaper that I like better. I don't right. mind Rivers and GPPs because one thing that offsets the cost is if you pair them with a Tyrell Williams at 6,500, if Travis Benjamin's out there, he's only 5,500, you can get a pretty cheap stack. Antonio Gates has been getting targeted like crazy. He's part of the top six tight end block I was talking about before, where at mm-hmm. 6,000, I, I think he actually is pretty good for this matchup against Houston. No, I think I think yeah, Gates definitely makes sense in this context. Uh, like you mentioned, that just the amount of targets that he's been seeing uh, has been just so encouraging as far as your tight ends are concerned. Uh, I'm just, I'm worried though that uh, if Benjamin is back, I think that probably changes uh, the way that that offense looks and how the targets are di- distributed. Uh, we'll still just kind of we'll have to see uh, how that all pans out. Um, what do you think about Melvin Gordon? You know, he's he's up to eighty two hundred. Uh, he sees you know far and away the most touches in that backfield. He pretty much sees every single snap uh, from the running back position. Uh, so, do you think eighty two hundred is worth it uh, going against a Houston defense? It's it's pretty stout against the run. 
I think it can be. I think it's a, a reasonably low ownership number on Gordon. No competition whatsoever right. as far as uh, alternatives getting carries. Uh, think about it too. If you look at Houston, I mean they, they're they're good against the run, but they're not great. They're four point one yards per carry allowed. Kind of puts them in the middle of the pack. I think the the league average is very close to that mark, and they've allowed ten rushing scores. You know when the Chargers get close, it feels like they either want to throw to Gates or they want to run Melvin Gordon. So right. if we're expecting this game to be even remotely high scoring, Gordon's going to get a couple chances in close. I think he can cash one in. 8200 is a, a good price, not a great one. Ownership should be uh, reasonable. Lamar Miller's pretty dinged up, but he's been playing through it, and he played very well uh, last time out on Monday night against the Raiders. 24 carries, coming off a pretty big workload, uh, his heaviest workload since that matchup against the Colts a few weeks right. back. And Lamar Miller's doing a good job of making his layups. Do you think this is a layup sort of matchup against San Diego? I, th- I can see that. I mean, San Diego's defense across the board is pretty average. I would say that they rank 17th uh, against the run as far as DVOA uh, goes. I'm probably just off of Miller this week. I mean, like you said, even though he's been able to play through uh, those injuries, it it's just still feels like you're getting... 80% of what, what you really want out of Lamar Miller. So at 7,100, um, I'm probably going to be looking elsewhere as far as my running backs are concerned. Uh, but sticking uh, with that offense, I'm interested to see what ends up happening with uh, C.J. Fedorowicz because he saw so many targets last week, and he was uh, so reliable. His catch rate was really good. Uh, well, it was okay. It was six uh, six catches out of 10 targets, but for 82 yards. Um, so I, I do like Fedorowicz a bit if he's healthy. You'll have to you know kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, leading into kickoff there. But as far as Miller's concerned, uh, I, I'm probably off of him personally. I think I'm staying away from the entire Texans offense, including a $7,000 DeAndre Hopkins, who's just been uh, a disappointment. Such a bummer. Because yeah. he's, so, he's so good, but Osweiler is so bad. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the seesaw effect where Brock just weighs him down so much that Hopkins is just stuck hanging up in the air with nothing he can do about it. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Niners on the road taking on the Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill came up as a, a value play on my idiot math spreadsheet, which is proprietary for now. I might share it at some point down the road. <laughs> uh, basically, if you look at the points that are expected, implied scores versus cost, uh, Ryan Tannehill is a good value. The fact of the matter is, okay, here's here's a couple things. One, the Dolphins don't seem like a team that can blow out anybody. When I mean, We saw them play That's a really true. close game with the Rams. Uh, and two... Jay Ajayi should be able to run wild all over the San oh, yeah. Francisco defense. So I don't really see a reason for Tannehill to get big volume. The only way Tannehill has a big game is if we see Devontae Parker or Kenny Stills hit on a couple of big pass plays. It's not going to be because of volume. It's not going to be because they're playing from behind. So there's only like one kind of fluky way for Ryan Tannehill to be that GPP gem. I don't want to make a Ryan Tannehill lineup and if I do, it's going to be like a $3 GPP. It's not going to be a 10 or a $20 GPP because I feel like that's just throwing money away. No, that's a good point. And, you know, I think some people might might fall or fall into those pitfalls uh, that you mentioned uh, just because uh, the fact that he's relatively cheap, you know, sitting at $7,100 um, and he's going against the the Niners, but uh, pretty much the only Dolphin that I'm really going to be looking at is going to be Ajayi, and obviously that's a pretty chalky play this week, and uh, he's priced accordingly at 8400 but uh, the Niners can get run on by absolutely anybody. 
they rank 32nd as far as rushing DVOA goes. So I think that Ajayi goes for a huge game this week. And I, I do like your point about how Tanhill probably uh, might not might not get the volume that you want. So that, that ceiling uh, comes down a, a decent bit this week for him just because you, you figure game flow will dictate it such that they're just going to be running it more like plenty more than they're going to be throwing it. I think the the player I like the most in this game, though, is Carlos Hyde. He's 6,800. Okay. If, if Miami can't run up the score, which I don't expect him to be able to, it's a close game. Hyde's going to get volume. 6,800 is the price. Efficiency-wise, he's not bad. He does catch some passes. It's a pretty fair price for a workhorse sort of back against a Miami defense that is much better, I think, against the pass than they are against the run. 4.3 yards per carry right. allowed uh, puts them in the bottom 10 in terms of how generous they are. Eight rushing scores allowed. How about this? Ten runs of 20 or more yards allowed by the Miami defense. Only okay. San Francisco has allowed more 20-plus yard run plays. Yeah, that that is that's a pretty surprising number. I, I didn't see that coming, but I guess you know uh, they lost Rashad Jones, uh, who's I guess kind of uh, their stopper in the secondary. Uh, he's out for the season with the shoulder, so you know he was a guy that, that was kind of able to prevent uh, that people breaking through to that third level and breaking breaking off those long runs. So obviously Miami's hurting uh, without him in in that sense. So yeah, no, Hyde, you've kind of sold me on him. I, I wasn't really considering him before. And I don't think, you know, a- anybody from that 49ers offense tends to carry a particularly high ownership as far as uh, GPPs are concerned. So Hyde, Hyde might sneakily be a pretty good play here this week. I like that one. I don't know if I really want to use him, but Colin Kaepernick is averaging more fantasy points per game in the five games he's played than Jameis Winston, uh, than Russell Wilson, who's playing better now that he's healthy, more than Cam Newton, uh, more than Derek Carr, more than Phillip Rivers. I mean, it's kind of Mm -hmm. surprising just how much Kaepernick's been able to do. Uh, Mostly garbage time sort of production, but I don't really have any reason to to fear the Miami defense being so good that he can't do anything uh, for this week. So maybe a better game than you might think on the surface, at least, between the Niners and Dolphins. Uh, Ravens hosting the Bengals. No A.J. Green in this one. Probably going to see a lot more Tyler Boyd. Are you going to play Boyd at 5,600? I do like Boyd a lot this week. Uh, I also like Tyler Eifert uh, as far as this game is concerned. Uh, I think you know Eifert's just kind of the most legitimate, established option in that in that passing offense uh, outside of Green and Gio Bernard's out as well. Uh, so that means that uh, there's some more targets close to the line of scrimmage that I think uh, could we could see go Eifert's way. Um, Jeremy Hill is only 5,900. So I know that the Ravens have a pretty good uh, run defense. I'm actually going to be at this game, but uh, you know, 5,900 is really not bad. You don't need a monster game out of him in order, in order to really uh, have that cash in and benefit for you. Um, But yeah, like I was saying, pretty much Boyd uh, is one of my favorite plays at receiver as far as cheap receivers are concerned this week. And and then uh, Eifert as well. They have uh, crab cakes at Ravens games. Oh yeah, they have, they got cra- they got crab everything, and I don't know if they do this at the Ravens game or if it's just at Orioles games. But they have these uh, these fries that they also they like load up with crab dip on top of them, and they are just ridiculously good. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound bad at all. Uh, <laughs> this game might be kind of ugly. I mean, I was thinking about stacking the Ravens, and for me, that just means pairing up Justin Tucker with the Ravens defense. There you go. <laughs> because Andy Dalton without A.J. Green, I, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble. I do like the Eifert, 
call. And I think with Hill being as cheap as he is, the volume he's expected to get, he makes some sense. But the offense could sputter. Uh, I think what A.J. Green brings to the table, there's, there's just no way to replace a guy like that. Exactly. I think that might leave Dalton more susceptible to turning the ball over. And the Ravens' defense has been pretty good all year, been very good, actually. I don't know if anybody really expected them to take that much of a step forward coming into the year. Uh, you look at the Ravens' pass catchers. I mean, Mike Wallace is 6,700. Steve Smith is 6,300. If I had to play one, Steve Smith would be the guy, given that he's $400 cheaper. Yeah, I think so, too, because, you know, they, they see roughly the same amount of targets, but Smith is just a more reliable guy. He's um, just much better hands. I mean, Wallace Wallace does have the big play threat uh, to in his favor, but for $400 more, I think that, that uh, I would probably just go the cheaper route and go go with Smith as far as the Ravens pass catchers are concerned. Giants are on the road taking on the Browns. They're seven-point favorites, I believe, at last glance. Eli Manning, 7,800. He's only averaging 16.2 FanDuel points per game through 10 contests. Beckham at 14.5, closing that gap. Uh, with Beckham, he's 9,000 this week, but the Browns, to me, certainly not a defense to fear. And as much as people like Rashad Jennings at 6,600, I know the Browns are almost as generous as San Francisco as far as what they're giving up to opposing running backs, I don't trust Rashad Jennings. Like I'm more no, inclined never. to build a lineup around Beckham and look for cheap value elsewhere than to think that Rashad Jennings at 6,600 is going to be a good play. Yeah, every lineup that I've made so far uh, for, for this uh, Sunday's slate of games has, has involved Beckham, but yeah, I, I'm just completely off of Jennings in general. I think he has been running a little bit better of late, and I think that you know, like you said, the matchup here is gonna is gonna end up with him getting some more attention, uh, getting a higher ownership percentage here. But I just I think that he like the there's an e- at least an equal risk of him uh, throwing in a total clunker than there is uh, him get it, getting up to like 18 or so FanDuel points here. So I'm I'm off of him as well, even if the, that matchup against the Browns where you figure uh, the Giants should be able to build a sizable lead and nurse it. And, you know, maybe theoretically they would be running the ball a good bit, but I still just don't trust Jennings in general. I never use him for daily purposes. I think the other aspect of this is if Ben McAdoo likes Jennings as a starter and the Giants are protecting a lead, they might run Paul Perkins a bit to avoid dinging up Jennings. I mean, if they think he's their lead back, point. then protecting him could be an option. It might be a situation where getting the rookie some added work uh, will make sense. Not to the point where I, I would use him as a GPP play, but just enough to uh, really take away some of the, the luster of Jennings. So if he's chalky, I'm staying away this week. I think he's just the kind of player that's prone to disappoint you when you start to get high expectations. Oh, yeah. Just he's a king yeah, oh, for sure. Josh McCollum is 6,400. Gary Barnage also cheap at 4,800. You don't have to go that cheap at tight end, but if you're looking for a way to go ultra cheap at quarterback and tight end and to go real heavy with expensive running backs and receivers, stranger things have worked. I guess, but it just it just makes me feel get this, get this weird feeling in my stomach. Maybe it's the Thanksgiving dinner uh, the day after, but I, I don't know. Thinking about st- stacking any sort of Brown combination in this game, uh, it, I don't know. I'm probably not going to do that, but uh, I I appreciate 
the willingness there to, uh, to, to, you know, toss that out there as a possibility. Cause I mean, it's not like the Giants defense is, is, you know, a bunch of world beaters, uh, overall. I mean, it's, be- it's certainly a better unit than it was a year ago, but yeah, like you said, crazier things have happened. Uh, I'm just not that crazy. <laughs> have, have, have enough bourbon Sunday morning and you'll talk yourself into it. That's the, <laughs> that's the secret. Uh, Jags on the road at Buffalo, uh, Blake Bortles, Season-long disappointment, 7100 is the price. Bill's secondary is generous at times to opposing passers, so it's not a terrible matchup. At right. the same time, he's not the quarterback I'm gravitating toward in the $7,000 price range. Uh, not crazy about really any player in this game. LaShawn McCoy should be okay at dump surgery earlier in the week. No Mike Gillisley. Right. I, just, I wonder with Shady if they won't throw the ball to him as much out of the backfield this week so you lose some of the uh, passing game value, perhaps. Sammy Watkins might give it a go. He's only 5,700. I don't really believe in him. I mean, Allen Robinson at 7,400 might be a, an okay sort of play, but no real strong belief in any player on either side in this game. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm probably not uh, getting too heavily into the into this one myself. Uh, like you said, with McCoy, uh, you don't have to worry about Gillisley kind of vulturing in uh, some carries, especially near the goal line or anything like that. But you got to figure, even if he do, even if he is playing, you you know he's just not at a hundred percent. I mean, he had thumb surgery. Like you know, it'll be five or six days removed from having a, a procedure on his thumb. So. You know, that's obviously not ideal. Allen Robinson, like you said, uh, he, he would be an option here. But I, in that kind of price bracket, I do like I like Brandon Cooks better. I like Larry Fitzgerald better. Uh, obviously, like Robinson better than, than that crazy Kenny Britt price range. But uh, other than that, uh, I, I think I'm probably avoiding this game uh, as well here. Yeah, no reason to get uh, crazy and, and go down that path unless you – have some kind of hunch that there's a great matchup to be exploited. I just don't see it uh, on either side. Seattle favored on the road at Tampa Bay. Bucks surprising everybody, including me, with that road win against the Chiefs last week. Pretty much as I finally gave up on the Bucks for the season, they finally show up and, and <laughs> win a tough game. Uh, but you look at the, the the chalkiest quarterback of all. It has to be Russell Wilson, 7,500. He's played very well the last two weeks. I think he's healthy. And now he gets a Tampa Bay defense that's been porous against the past throughout this season. Right, yeah. Tampa Bay is is just really, really struggling against opposing quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, this is a situation where, unlike the Chiefs, uh, who can't take advantage of that because Alex Smith is their quarterback. We got a healthy Russell Wilson who's starting to click and play a lot better. Uh, so I, re- yeah, Wilson has been in most of the lineups that I, that I've constructed so far for the Sunday slate. I think that you know the combination of price and matchup here, uh, plus you know the the upside is just too much for me to pass up on Wilson. Uh, and then you know Jameis, uh, at least he's at home. And but he's at seventy two hundred. I just I don't think I ever really try to use a quarterback that's going against uh, Seattle secondary, uh, no matter no matter what. No, it's not worth it. Even if he plays well, it's probably not going to be a monster game. It would just be a good one, and that's not going to be enough to really put you over the top. Right in GPPs, uh, Thomas Rawls is only seven thousand. CJ Prosize is hurt. How do you feel about Rawls this week? Well, it, it's encouraging. Well, for me, earlier in the week, it, it, it looked like Rawls w- was was kind of banged up, coming you know coming back, uh, just kind of generally sore from his first action, really. Um, so at, 
initially I was kind of excited about Alex Collins a little bit going against the Tampa Bay run defense. Maybe uh, he would he would get uh, more more of a workload than was initially anticipated. But it looks like Rawls is healthy. He's not on the injury report as of Friday, uh, so he should be a full go. Uh, I imagine Seattle will, will have a lead in this one, so I definitely wouldn't mind uh, using Rawls here. I'm, I'm not going to uh, use him in all my lineups per se, but uh, I'm definitely comfortable, more comfortable using him as of Friday than I was, you know, as of Tuesday when it looked like he was banged up, and I was considering, uh, you know, talking myself into Alex Collins at the minimum price. Yeah, I think with with Rawls, I'm I'm interested, but then if I'm using Rawls, I'm going to go ahead and move away from the Seattle passing game in those lineups. I don't really want to have Rawls plus Wilson plus right, that would be, ball that would Graham. Wonky. It just seems uh, kind of counterproductive to do that. But I think part of the appeal, if you are stacking Wilson, Doug Baldwin's only 6,800, so I like Baldwin regardless of whether uh, you end up using Russell Wilson. And if you want to add in Tyler Lockett for tournaments, 5,200 is the price. He's been a disappointment to season-long owners, but I, I look at... Look at Lockett as a player that doesn't need many targets to be productive. If you could just get six or seven targets, six is what he had against New England, caught three passes for 72 yards, it feels like he's due for one of those long 70-yard TDs. I mean, I know that's not analysis of any kind, but (laughs) you're looking for GPP guys with that high upside. I think Lockett still has that sort of ability. Yeah, and if he, yeah, he definitely has that big play upside. He can he can definitely get behind the defense. So you know it, he can, he's the kind of guy that can put up that that seventy five ish yards on on just three catches. And you know that's that's a pretty good start at just fifty two hundred. And you look at you know who else is sort of in that price bracket. Uh, you got Brandon LaFell of uh, the Bengals. You got Ted Ginn, uh, Lockett, and and Adam Humphreys. I think Lockett is definitely my favorite of that of that sort of tier and uh i think that he he seems to be a little bit due like you said i know it's a little bit of a of the gambler's fallacy just thinking that he's due for a big game here but uh matt Harmon uh writes for nfl.com and he's like been the biggest uh tyler lockett truther out there and he's he's had to kind of stick through kind of a rough patch that has been this season to this point for Lockett, but he he thinks that he's due for a big game as well. So I think there's some credence to what you're saying. Uh, 5,200 for a GPP uh, type of option here. I I think Lockett is certainly worth the consideration. I think what it comes down to is the Seahawks are starting to click across the board offensively. If they can get Lockett going as well, it's just one more thing opposing defenses have to worry about going forward. So they they had, had that incentive to show him as a weapon at some point soon. Maybe it's not this week, but seems like a good spot uh, against Tampa Bay. Uh, as far as Bucks go, I mean, Doug Martin, no thanks. I mean, 6400 nope. is not a bad price. I just not in the habit of running running backs out there uh, against Seattle. Do you trust Mike Evans enough against Richard Sherman to play him at 7900 and to get Evans at what should be a pretty low ownership rate given the general fear of going up against Seattle's defense? Yeah, I think I think the like a lot of people, it just makes sense to move off of Evans a little bit because he is a pricey option going against, uh, you know, probably the one like the one defense or one secondary that I think just at a first glance, you kind of always mark that team off your list of guys that you're going to use just because, you know, you, you you're afraid of of the Richard Sherman effect. But I think Earl Thomas might be out so that that like, you know, 
if Evans is just getting single coverage, I mean, he's such a big guy, so physical. I think that he might be actually uh, an interesting GPP candidate this week just because, you know, his talent alone makes him about as close to matchup proof uh, as we as we see in the NFL right now. So, I, yeah, I think that he's definitely worth uh, consideration. I probably wouldn't use him in a cash game, though. Yeah, Earl Thomas uh, listed as doubtful, so I, I don't think we're going to see Thomas out there uh, for this week. Let's move on to the Panthers and Raiders. This is a pretty interesting game on the late afternoon part of the slate. Cam is down at 7,800. So as much as the uh, the chalk may be uh, kind of placed on Russell Wilson, I think Newton could be second or third in terms of QB ownership. And I'd rather go a little further down in GPPs for at least you know, some of my lineups. And I think with Newton, 7,800 in a tournament is a dangerously low price because you can pair him with Kelvin Benjamin at 7,000. I think that Raiders offense is good enough to score almost at will against Carolina's defense, but I think Carolina can do the same. I think this could be a great shootout matchup. Yeah, this this is definitely a game where, where you're going to want to get a lot of exposure. And uh, Derek Carr coming off a nice game, and he's only $100 more expensive than Cam. Obviously, he doesn't give you the rushing upside, but... I mean, let's face it. This Carolina secondary is not is not one uh, that that really strikes a lot of fear into you when you're constructing your lineups. Uh, that, that secondary just isn't the same without Josh Norman. They can definitely uh, be scored on, and I think Luke Keekley might be out too. I mean, th- so that helps uh, some of the the Raiders kind of tight ends and running backs in the passing game as well. So I, I like I like Carr a good bit in this one actually. Yeah, Carr seventy nine hundred almost feels like he's overlooked all the time and he's averaging close to 20 fantasy points per game on FanDuel uh, this season not going after either one of the running backs uh, Stewart is 6,900 Latavius Murray is 6,600 mentioned before I like Benjamin uh, Michael Crabtree is a little, little bit dinged up he's got an ankle injury we'll see what his status is come Sunday it doesn't look like he's in danger of missing that game uh, but it's at least on the table as a possibility Seabass uh, yeah. at 4,700 could be another kicker option if you don't want to pay the Justin Tucker tax for this week. That's true. And in looking at our optimizer, our optimizer, I don't know if something got entered in oddly or what, but the optimizer absolutely loves Janikowski this week. It has him projected <laughs> at 19 points. What? Um, yeah. So that, that uh, doesn't seem it, right. Bar- barring some sort of correction uh, to, ha- to happen to our, to our algorithm there. Uh, yeah. Maybe Sebastian Janikowski would, would be the kicker play of the week. I mean, if he, if he's able to hit close to 20 points at 4,700, that's just unbelievable. I'm a fan of the optimizer. I might have to go jiggle the handle and see what's going on. Nin- 19 points projected for a kicker. Like that doesn't yeah. seem right at all. A value of 4.04. That's massive for the uh, value index, but something seems just a little bit awry with Seabass yeah, getting. That's probably more 19. likely than him hitting the 19, but I mean, it's certainly you know kind of eye opening right there. He does have a 17 and an 18 this season, so I guess okay. the 19 is, is next, but I'm not not quite as high on Seabass as the optimizer <laughs> is. Uh, Patriots on the road taking on the Jets. Tom Brady. Practiced on Friday. He's questionable with a knee injury. Gronk, I just don't feel like he's going to play. I, nope. I have no reason to be optimistic. I mentioned the big six tight ends before. Martellus Bennett, 5,500, might be a, a bit lower owned after uh, he let everybody down last week against San Francisco. That, that's true. I, I think that some people are going to be just kind of spitefully leaving him out of their lineups. But 
uh, I'd say do that at your own risk just because, you know, we're, we're talking about a Patriots offense going against Jets defense. Jets defense just isn't what it once was. And if Gronk is out, the Patriots, like they, they, they're still going to use the tight end. It's not like that that element should completely go away just because Gronk is out. And obviously Edelman sort of was the main uh, beneficiary last week. He had a whopping, like I believe, 17 targets against the 49ers. Uh, I think that number probably, you know, realistically, that'll probably come down a bit this week. And I think Bennett's target volume comes up. So Bennett is definitely one of my favorite uh, plays just on the board this week in general. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually not completely sure that that he's not going to be very highly owned, just because 5,500 is a is a point where if you're looking at the upside of being the number one tight end for the Patriots, uh, you got to at least consider him. Edelman's only 6,400, so if you want your Patriots exposure, eight for 77 and a score on 17 targets against San Francisco uh, last week. I think if he gets even a dozen targets against the Jets. He can do a lot of damage again. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt has been much more popular in DFS this year, it feels like, than last year. 6800 is the price right now on Blunt, averaging just over 15 fantasy points per game on FanDuel. Are you playing LeGarrette Blunt this week? Uh, going against the Jets, I, I wish that the, the matchup was a little bit better. I mean, the Jets do rank second in, in the NFL as far as uh, rush DVOA goes. Uh, so, I mean, that that is a tough matchup. But 6,800, where, where you figure that the Patriots are, are going to be able to get in close, uh, get into the red zone just because uh, their passing game should be able to just shred uh, the Jets and if there's no Gronk, then I think Blunt maybe does become that that number one red zone option. So I could see him, you know, not having a ton of yards, maybe only 50, 60 yards. But uh, I think there's two, there's certainly like a two touchdown poten- potential for Blunt uh, just because of what the Patriots will be able to do uh, to get themselves into that red zone. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's part of the appeal is that they spend a lot of time in that spot and they seem very comfortable running the ball with LeGarrette Blunt in situations like that. Uh, Chiefs on the road taking on Denver for the Sunday night game. Marcus Peters, I think, is going to be out there. He started practicing earlier in the week. It's kind of a big deal as far as the Denver receivers go. Uh, I would have no interest in Alex Smith in this matchup, no interest in Trevor Simeon. Devontae Booker, though, coming off a bye, I have to wonder if he was not healthy. He got dinged up in that first game he started a few weeks ago. Return right. to the game, you know, hasn't had good games each of the last two weeks. One of those matchups uh, was against the Saints. I think the Broncos were one of the teams on bye in week 11. But I kind of like Devontae Booker at that $6,300 price point for this week. I think so. I think he's a nice play, too. And I think this is a game where, where both uh, the secondaries – uh, are sort of responsible for for the sort of rep that each each team's defense gets. You know, the Chiefs and the and the Broncos both uh, have have just kind of widely considered good defenses, but both of them are actually pretty subpar against the run. Both of them are in the twenties uh, in DVOA against the run. Uh, so I like Ware and I like Booker uh, a lot this week. So I think you you can't really go wrong uh, taking taking one guy uh, from either side of this one. And I think that maybe that maybe that reputation might drive down that ownership percentage so booker booker actually is a, is a very interesting play and coming off the bye you figure even if he wasn't necessarily like really hurt or anything before then you you figure he's just just fresher period uh coming into this week 
No Jeremy Macklin for the Chiefs. He's out again with a groin injury. Tyreek Hill likely to see extra targets as a result. Do you like any of the pass catchers on either side of this Broncos-Chiefs game? It's really tough uh, going against either of these secondaries. They're both just so talented across the board. Obviously, those targets are going to be redistributed uh, now that Macklin's not going to play. So Hill, it's if Hill was closer to to like five thousand or fifty three hundred, I would I would think you know maybe he's a dart consideration or maybe Travis Kelsey if he was a little bit cheaper, uh, he's at sixty three hundred. But yeah, in general, kind of like what you said earlier, you just kind of are off the Chiefs passing uh, passing game for the most part. Uh, yeah, so I, I I personally probably will not be using any of those receivers. Might be a defensive slugfest lending itself yep. to uh, kicker plays. Brandon McManus, 4,600. If you want to avoid some of the optimizer-induced Seabass chalk, McManus <laughs> is a nice pivot at the kicker spot. Yeah, I do, I do like both the kickers in this one. And, and, you know, it being in Denver, I think that can make coaches a little bit more co- comfortable if – you know, drive stalls out at the 30 or so. Uh, you could you could see both of these kickers getting, uh, you know, long field goal attempts, and that obviously uh, is a good thing. And I think that the Cairo Santos has been one of my favorite uh, DFS kickers this year just because that, that Chiefs offense is so good at stalling out sometimes. So, you, you know, he gets – he's up to 26 field goal attempts already this year. He's just a, very reliably uh, getting getting the chances. He's in a good offense for field goal chances. The Chiefs move the ball, but they don't move it exceptionally well, so they stall out exactly. just enough to get chances 30, 40 yards out for a guy like Santos. Uh, looking at the first lineup I put together, I went Newton in the quarterback spot, thinking more about a GPP sort of appeal. I went Newton. I paired him with Kelvin Benjamin at 7,000. Hyatt and David Johnson as the two running backs at 6,800 and 9,500. Baldwin, Edelman, Kelvin Benjamin is the three receivers, all between 6,400 and 7,000. Delaney Walker at 6,100 against the Bears as the tight end. And the Tucker-Ravens-D combo. Don't know if the Ravens-D will be the one I end up playing in this lineup, but initially, that's the one I landed on. Telling you, the Red Rifle without A.J. Green may have a really difficult time this week on the road. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think that that the Ravens' defense is going to be up to the task of slowing down uh, the Bengals. I think the Bengals have just been so reliant uh, on AJ Green to to sort of add the dynamic element to that offense, I think they're going to be kind of lost uh, without him. So I think that the Ravens' defense, and this isn't just me being a homer, I, I do think that they're going to slow down the Bengals a, a decent bit uh, this week. AJ Green has kind of also been like the primary reason why the Bengals have beaten the Ravens five times in a row. It seems like he's always making uh, the kind of backbreaking play uh, to take down the Ravens. So. Uh, his absence just absolutely is is huge this week. So as far as my lineup is concerned this week, uh, like we mentioned, uh, I think Wilson, he is chalky, but at the same time, I think he's absolutely worth it. I think uh, he's there's just very little chance of him uh, underperforming that 7,500 price tag. Uh, moving to running backs, I uh, went with one of the more expensive guys on the board with the Jai, but I think, you know, that, that – uh, that 49ers run defense is so porous. I just don't see where Ajayi doesn't have a huge game there. Uh, then moving on to Blunt, uh, like I said, he's just a guy that I, I think is going to get a lot of red zone opportunities this week uh, just based on how bad the Jets' pass defense is. The Patriots are going to be able to move the ball down there, and then no Gronk means I think Blunt is going to see some touches. Uh, then I got Amari Cooper checking in at 7,800. You know, if Crabtree is limited – 
at all. I think that just that further uh, just benefits Cooper here. And, you know, that that Panthers pass defense, uh, not so great. So it's getting Cooper means getting a part of that shootout. Uh, Like Sterling Shepard at 6,100, moving down the list a little bit, just opposite Beckham. Uh, You know, he's probably not going to have to deal with Joe Hayden as much. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, he's a guy to definitely consider, uh, Tyler Lockett, just pairing him up with Russell Wilson. I think it makes him a nice GPP option. Uh, then I also am in on Delaney Walker. Uh, I think he's probably my favorite tight end play overall this week, but Bennett, uh, would be my other choice in that regard. Uh, kicker, I guess I'll listen to the optimizer, drink the, drink the optimizer Kool-Aid, go with the Janikowski at 4,700. And then uh, I think the Titans defense makes too much sense to me going against the Chicago offense that pretty much has nobody at this point. That might be the pivot for me is going from the Ravens D to the Titans because Matt Barkley, I mean, wolf, good there's Lord. nothing. No Alshon. Nothing no good. Miller. Yeah, the cost is the same too at 4,500. And the thing about defense too, one last thought on defense and, and kicker for that matter. If, if there's a chalky defense or a chalky kicker any given week, I don't care like at all. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm going to differentiate my lineup elsewhere. I'm not worried about eight percent of the field being on the same kicker, or fifteen percent, or twenty percent even being on the same defense. Because if that's the defense that goes off, you're going to be screwed if you don't have it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you you look at like uh, week one, for example, with the with the Vikings and uh, how they they put up twenty plus points with the, with thanks to the uh, two defensive touchdowns there, and that totally swung a lot of tournaments there. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up for the Friday installment of the RotoWire DFS podcast. Hopefully, those building blocks help you get going as you uh, look at the rest of week twelve. Jake is back on Monday. We're going to have uh, Chris Benzine back in the booth with Jake, so be sure to tune in for that. Have a great weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.